Thank you so much, Connection Point. It's good to, uh, to be back. Super thankful for you, church, that you're here with us. And welcome to those of you that are part of that online family as well. Um, in the room, out of the room, we're all in this together. Um, it's such a joy to be able to come back, especially multiple times, because this is becoming kind of a a second home for me. I'm, I'm coming to love Indiana. Every single time I'm here, it's completely different weather. And so uh, I, I'm enjoying the variety. I, uh, I'll tell you what I love about all of you so much the most. It's that you really take Jesus seriously, but you don't take yourselves too seriously. I love that. And if you could just laugh along with me for a little bit, um, just recently I was sick and tired of, of people. Anybody ever get that way? Um, I'm kind of an introvert. I love people, um, but, but uh, they drain me. None of you, just the people in my state. And, uh, and so I went to a movie alone, and I was just thrilled. I went into the theater. There was no one in the theater and I thought, this is going to be my best day ever. And so I picked out the perfect seat. I sat down. We're now like two minutes from showtime, and it's still completely empty inside the theater. My heart was filled up to overflowing. A woman walked in. She surveyed the entire theater. And out of all the seats that she could have picked, no joke, she sat down right next to me. She came in with this huge, huge tub of corn. I mean, it was a horse trough of corn. She had a Coca-Cola that was four quarts larger than her bladder. Who can drink this much Coca-Cola? Who is eating this much corn? And throughout the entire film, she is crunching her ice and she's slurping the Coca-Cola. She's crunching every kernel of corn that was unpopped there at the bottom. It was disgusting. And I was now just getting so irritated. It got to kind of a climactic moment in the movie I thought, okay, finally she's going to settle down. She didn't. She pulled out her purse. It was this Mary Poppins carpet bag size thing, and she's rifling through it. She's pulling out lamps and small children. Finally, I turned to my wife, and I said, shut up. Be quiet. Go sit somewhere else. I don't know, you guys. My wife, oh, my goodness, she puts up with a lot. She's got every reason to give up on loving me, but she doesn't for, for all these years. She, she rolls with the punches. For all these years, she continues to be by my side on the good days and in on days like that. It was just, I'm an absolute idiot. You know, it's so easy for us to love people when we like them. It's really easy to love people when things are good, but it's difficult to love people when uh, things are challenging, when maybe we're not at our best, when we're drained, when we're exhausted. There's this odd thing that I've noticed too in the, the life of a Christian, and that is that we, we don't have any trouble loving ourselves. Uh, it's not often difficult to find some love for our family, our immediate family. At least we know we should be loving them. And then we hear a lot within the context of the church about how Christians are to love 
outsiders, people who don't know Jesus, and that is so true. We are called to really love everyone, everywhere, all the time. But what I have noticed over the years is what becomes oddly challenging is the love that we have for each other within the church. And what I would like to talk about today is our need to not give up. Let's continue this theme that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, how important it is to not give up. But specifically today, don't give up on loving each other. And when I say loving each other, I'm talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a, there's a reminder that we should all come back around for just a moment, and it's this right here. Remember, folks, that the church is a people who, not just a place where. Church is not just a building. It's not just a program. It's not just an event. Biblically speaking, the church is people who are following Jesus. And, and, and Jesus himself gives his people so many directions on how we are to love one another. And so I can't even be obedient to the word of God, obedient to the word specifically of Jesus to love each other in a certain manner if I'm not intentional about it when I gather together on a weekend with fellow believers, when I gather in a small group with fellow believers, when I'm ministering or serving fellow believers as I have opportunity out and about or maybe even in my neighborhood, serving fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, loving fellow brothers and sisters in Christ as I have got the opportunity. There's a lot that rides on it Pastor Dave mentioned it in the very first week of this series, Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if, there it is, we do not give up. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. But then look at this, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Yeah, we're called to love everyone. And certainly we've got our nuclear family that we're called to love, but we are called to pay special attention to how we love each other in our church family, brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus' words in John chapter 13 said, there's something pretty powerful here that we're familiar with. A new command I give you, love one another. There it is. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. We're taking our cues from Jesus. And then he says, by this, the way that we love everyone, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so there's a priority that God gives to loving each other within the family of God. Are there evangelistic implications to the way that we love one another? Yes. 
We find out that people will know that we have a relationship with Jesus by the way that you and I are loving each other. Yeah, when we gather here or when they hear the stories of what's going on in your closest friendships within the church or relationships that you have with other believers, I love it. When you start to hear those, my goodness, those people, they love people, they love each other in a way that we just don't see anywhere else. And how amazing would it be if that is known more and more of us as followers of Jesus, known more and more of those of us here at Connection Point as we're loving each other the way that Jesus really calls us to. Three questions for you. Take a look at these questions. If we're not loving each other, what's that say about us? If we're not loving each other, what's that say about God? And if we're not loving each other, guys, what's lost? I would say the answer in a general way to all of those questions If we're not loving each other, then what's that say? What's lost? I'd say in general, the answer is just about everything. I think just about everything is lost. I think it says a tremendous amount about us. I think it it, it would be valid to call into question whether the love of God is in me if I'm never, ever loving those that he's positioned around me, especially brothers and sisters. But you know how it is. I mean, even in the context of our families, right, we, we begin to take for granted our spouses or our kids and maybe kind of grow um, stingy with our words or with uh, love and action, service, because we've grown too familiar with each other. It can become the same way in the context of of our church family and forget that there was a tremendous opportunity for every single one of us when we came in or when we are with our brothers and sisters sometime during the week, not to begin asking the question, okay, what's in it for me today? But to walk into a church gathering, to walk into my small group, to come alongside a brother and sister in Christ and, and wonder, What could I do to love you today? And I've been praying for that to be kind of my attitude more and more in this journey. We're going to wrap up this series taking a look back in the book of Hebrews. It's been such a good guide for us so far. And so if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn to Hebrews and go to the last chapter, chapter 13. And the author of Hebrews here gives us some really encouraging words for us to consider with regard to the way that we love each other. In verse one, the author of Hebrews says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And so what is reinforced all throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament, the author of Hebrews brings to mind again, love each other. Now, the particular word love that the author chose here was a love that's a brotherly love. It's, a, it's, a, it's an affection. It's a deep affection and kindness that's shown to one another. There's some intentionality and there's some action behind it. And he knew that, that as 
followers of Jesus, it would become kind of natural for us to slow drift away from loving each other. And so that's why the reminder, keep on doing it. Don't give up loving each other. And then he continues it in verse 2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Hospitality is an expression of love throughout the Old and the New Testament. It's an expression of love whereby we open our hearts and maybe even our homes to people. We become a safe haven for people. Now, in the first century, and certainly before that, the hotel industry wasn't really a thing. And so as travelers were on the way, in particular fellow believers, and especially amongst fellow believers, those who were doing the work of the ministry, were traveling from one place to another. They would find an inn or a motel, very few and far between, and when they did find them, they were often places of ill repute, places that a follower of Jesus probably wouldn't want to stay. And so it was incumbent upon the fellow believers to express love to other believers who they didn't know as a way to provide a safe haven Express love and care for the body even when you didn't particularly know a brother or a sister in Christ. And we're called to continue that today. Look at verse three. Continue to remember those in prison, the author says, as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Now, this could refer to a particular love and care and remembrance of anybody that's in prison, but in particular, in context, it was probably calling to remember those who were in prison, probably at this point, the first wave of followers of Jesus who are now being persecuted and therefore imprisoned for their following of Jesus. Remember fellow Christians who are getting mistreated, who are suffering and find themselves imprisoned as a result of their faith and trust in Jesus. And so I'd probably summarize it this way. Don't give up, take a look, loving Christians you know. Don't give up loving Christians you don't know. And don't give up loving Christians who are suffering. Yes, there are people who don't know Jesus. We need to continue to love. You do need to continue to love your nuclear family. But there is a huge burden on God's heart for you and I to love Christians, to express love, to actively love Christians that we know, brothers and sisters. I hope and pray that you know some followers of Jesus in this church family, and I hope and pray that you actively love them. 
years ago, uh, when I was just kind of getting started in ministry, I got my first computer at home. And it was the size of a car, because this was like 25 years ago. You remember, computers used to be enormous. And I carried this thing in. I got it all set up. And now the internet had only been out a couple of years. And it was dial-up. And you had to use the telephone line to reach out to the internet. Many of you remember, if you don't, it was the most painful, excruciating process known to mankind. You would take about three and a half weeks to search for a website. And then once you found it, someone would call you and it would cut off the internet and it would go goodbye and then you would lose it. You would lose the connection and then you'd lose your mind. That's the way that it worked. Well, we had begun to also discover that there was some icky things on the internet. Now, I had no clue how to find them. I, I didn't know that you, you could go search in a particular fashion, but I didn't want to stumble across it. And I was telling one of my friends, you know, I've got this computer in my home now and I'm single and I know there's this unhealthy stuff all over the internet. I don't know where it is. I don't want to stumble across it. And I don't want to fall prey to the temptation that's out there. And my dear friend, his name was Phil. He said, yeah, I get it. It's a struggle. And we talked a little bit about it. We prayed about it. And then he went on his way. I went home that night and I was just about getting ready for bed. It's maybe 30, 10 o'clock at night. And there was a knock on my door. And I opened the door, and it's Phil. I said, Phil, what are you doing here? It's so late. He said, I came to get your computer. And no joke. He said, you don't need a computer at your house. You got one at the office. You don't need the internet here. You don't need the temptation here. And so I'm going to take your computer and see how you do. I was like, oh, well, thanks, Dad. And, and he came in. And he removed my computer for a couple of weeks because he cared for my walk with Jesus. He cared for my heart. He, he loved me enough to do something about it. He, he loved me enough to show up and, and express his love in protection. So our love for one another should show up in some real tangible forms. It may not always be the way that we would naturally think, but... There's a million ways that we can love brothers and sisters that we know, and especially when they express they've got a concern or they've got an interest or they've got a need, our radar should go off. And then we should spring to action in love when we've got a brother and sister that we know needs our love expressed to them. But we should also express our love and not give up on loving those who don't know, that we don't know. Now, there's brothers and sisters in Christ that when you gather here on a Sunday, when you gather here on a Saturday night, when you gather in a small group, you, you may not know everybody that you come across. But what, what if when you walked into the campus here, as soon as you got out of the car, you began to process and think, Lord, I'm here to worship you today. I'm here to hear from your word today. But I'm also here to be a tangible representation of you to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, who is it? Maybe it's just one person that you're going to bring across my path today that I can express my love to somehow. 
Maybe we get really good as we're walking onto the campus or gathering midweek with just the question, with people that we just happen to be you know, waiting next to in line for something or past somebody in the lobby and, hey, how are you doing? And I know it's weird because we don't know each other, but could I be praying for anything? We can express that hospitality even to strangers, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Express a love there that just takes just a moment. How could I be praying for you? And then you, you could stop and actually pray there. Or if you heard a particular need from a fellow brother and sister that you've just met here at church, that then you could figure out, oh my goodness, they have a need. Now you go back and you talk to your spouse, you talk to your friend and go, I just met somebody out there. I asked him how I could be praying for him because the pastor guy told me I should. You can use us as an excuse. Go for it. And they had a need. What do you say we go love them this week by meeting the need that they expressed? Can you imagine, you see, like how the love of God begins to seep its way through in some real tangible ways, I, I believe the way that the Lord intended. I know it's already going on here in the life of the church, but the slow drift is to kind of just get comfortable, face forward, and not face sideways, and, and how cool it would be to love people that we know, but also love people that we don't know. 17, 18 years ago, um, I lost my dad real soon and unexpected uh, to a heart attack at 48 years old. I'm 47 now, and so it just, it, it killed me. It, it just killed my mom, and I didn't know what we were going to do. It was a few weeks after he had passed. I was a youth pastor at the time, and we had to take our kids to a, a camp up in the mountains in California. And to be completely honest, I did not want to go. I was exhausted mentally and physically and certainly emotionally. I felt tapped out spiritually. And we got up to the camp and I didn't want to be there and yet I had to be there. We had a cabin that didn't have bathrooms in it. And so you had to leave your cabin to go out to uh, the showers and the restroom. That very first night, I went into the bathroom, and uh, there was nobody else in there except a kid at the far end of the sink brushing his teeth. I didn't know who he was. He was not with our group. There were about 1,500 high schoolers at this summer camp, and so uh, he was with some other church from some other city. And uh, I was brushing my teeth. I looked down. He was brushing his teeth. The only reason that I even paid attention or that he stuck out to me was that he was wearing the tightest pants I'd ever seen in my entire life. They looked like they had been spray painted on. They were so tight. And so from this point on, I will refer to this kid as tight pants. I looked over at tight pants, did the head nod thing. We finished brushing teeth. I went back to the cabin, went to sleep. I woke up the next morning. I went in, back to the bathroom, showered, got dressed, got out of the shower. There's a shower going next to me, and it finished. That, here the person getting dressed. They step out. It's tight pants again. Didn't think much of it. I went into chapel that day. Sat down in chapel. It's about this size of a room, and it's just filled with high schoolers. And I'm looking at my group that's kind of all lined up this direction, and I feel a bump on this hip. I turn over, and in the empty seat next to me, someone's just sat down. It's tight pants. 
I wasn't amazed he could even sit, the, the pants being so tight, but he, he did. He could sit down. And, and so I, I started to feel a little bit of a tug. I don't know who he is. I don't know why we keep bumping into each other three times in less than 24 hours, but I started to feel a little bit of a tug. Maybe I'm supposed to talk to him. Maybe I'm supposed to check in on him, but I'm wiped out. I didn't say anything. Chapel finished, and we got up, and all these students scattered different directions, and as we left the building, I was feeling badly about it, and I said, okay, Lord, if I bump into that kid again, I'll say something. I'll talk to him. And I'm kind of walking around the corner, head down, and I physically bumped into someone. It was tight pants. And I didn't say anything. I just didn't have it in me. And you, you've been in those positions. We've all had those seasons or those moments where we're just too wiped out. We don't have anything to give. And I think God's gracious and he gets that. We did recreation that day. I got super muddy and filthy, and so I had to take an afternoon shower to clean up and uh, hear the shower going next to me, and no joke, finish, get out, tight pants comes walking out. I'm like, dude, do you live in here? Are you showering in the pants because you can't get out of them? What is the deal? And I still didn't say anything. And that night... We go into chapel again, and I'm betting on the fact that it's been now there's, you know, some 2,000 students, and there's no way I'm going to bump into him again, and I've told the Lord again, if I see this kid, I'll go ahead and talk to him. I didn't see him. I didn't see him sitting around me in chapel, and I thought, oh, I walked out of the chapel, and I bumped into him again, and by this point now, we'd both recognized each other multiple times, and this time there was no avoiding it. And I turned and I looked at the kid and I said, hey, my name's Ron. What's your name? He said, Mark. I said, Mark, it seems a little weird. We keep bumping into each other. I apologize. I haven't even said hi or hello or anything. Maybe it's not coincidence we're bumping into each other. Maybe it is. I just said, hey, buddy, is there anything I could be praying for? And his eyes welled up with tears. And he said, just a few weeks ago, I lost my dad. It turned out to be the same week that I'd lost mine. He said, I don't want to be here. I don't feel like God sees me anymore. And I said, we got to pray. I shared what I was going through. He shared more of his story. And it just blew me away that God was orchestrating all these sorts of things to get us to cross paths. Two brothers in Christ who were essentially strangers to one another. And yet God was still trying to love us. He was still trying to remind us, hey, I see you. We're still friends to this day. We still keep in touch. And that moment was a reminder for me. God reached out to me and said, I see you. You're not alone. Brothers and sisters, let's never underestimate what a simple or not so simple act of love to another brother and sister in Christ might do for someone's heart. We've got that opportunity every single time that we gather, really every single time that we're out and about. So let's not give up loving the Christians that we know, loving the Christians we don't know, but lastly, let's not give up loving the believers 
who are suffering. And in particular, the, the persecuted church. Did you know that there are still today tons and tons of followers of Jesus around the globe who are getting persecuted every single day? And yet you and I here from this location in Brownsburg, Indiana, we have the opportunity to love Christians who are suffering. Uh, just a statistic that came out this year in the top three most uh, extremely persecuted regions in the globe, there are estimated somewhere around 310 million Christians who are living under extreme persecution. Last year, the number was 260 million. And the experts assume it's gonna bump up by another 40 or 50 million persecuted Christians this year. An average of 13 Christians around the world are killed every single day because of their faith in Jesus. An average of 12 churches or church buildings are injured or destroyed every single day. And an average of 12 Christians are abused or imprisoned, maybe not killed, abused or imprisoned every single day because of their faith in Jesus. And you go, okay, well, 13 Christians, that's bad, that's sad. 12 Christians, that's bad, that's sad. 12 church buildings, that's bad, that's, that's a day times 365 days a year. Now we are so blessed here in our country, but in regions across this world, people are persecuted in ways that we can't even possibly imagine. And so how can we love Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, who will join with us in heaven someday who are getting persecuted in other parts of the globe, even though we're all the way over here. Well, we can love them by praying for them. Prayer is a very powerful tool. And there are some stories and accounts of people gathering in the States and praying for persecuted believers, praying for missionaries, on the very eve that robbers were coming in to overwhelm the missionaries, to discover that they were mysteriously surrounded by soldiers, 12 or 13 soldiers, and then so the robbers leave, to discover that there really never were soldiers, literal soldiers, what there were was there 12 or 13 prayer soldiers in the States on that night, and somehow God arranged it to freak out the robbers that were coming, I mean, it's stunning. We can be praying for them constantly, daily. Be praying for the regions of North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Eritrea, Yemen, Iran, Nigeria, and India. Those are the top 10 hotspots where it's most difficult to be a follower of Jesus according to Open Doors. Be praying for your brothers and sisters that are facing all kinds of persecution because that's an act of love to them. Give. You go to organizations like Open Doors or Voice of the Martyrs 
or Samaritan's Purse. And you can study and educate yourself about the persecuted church. You can find out specific ways to pray for them. You can find out specific needs that they have and help bless them. You can give. You can also love them by encouraging them. Some of those open doors, Voice of the Martyrs, they've got ways that you can send letters through specific channels that they have in place to people that are being persecuted. And the right word at the right time might be a reminder to a brother and sister in Christ elsewhere who's being suffering and persecuted to remind them that God sees them and that while they feel like they're alone, they're not. Matthew 25 reminds us from the words of Jesus that whatever you've done to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you've done unto me. And so essentially, this is key. How we love each other is a direct reflection of how we love Jesus. And that just kind of jolts me into action because I do love Jesus with every fiber of my being. And I know you do too. And so would you be intentional about the way that you love brothers and sisters in Christ that you already know, you're already in relationship with? Would you be intentional about loving brothers and sisters in Christ that you don't know who are essentially strangers to you and coming up with strategic ways to do it? And then could we commit together to take this next month and be intentional about loving Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ overseas who are being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus? You know, we can pray, we can give, and we can encourage those in persecution. But those same three things also work for the brothers and sisters that are here, brothers and sisters that are other churches in our community, our state, our country. Let's commit to that, to each other, and see what the ripple effects are that in within the body of Christ, as well as across our country and across the world. I would have given up. Last year was a year I would have given up, probably not on life, but particular facets of my life I wanted to give up. And you know why I did not give up? It wasn't a program, it wasn't an event. It wasn't a service. Why I didn't give up is because of my wife, because of some dear brothers and sisters who are friends to me. And I didn't give up in large part because of your pastor, John. The way we love each other has tremendous impact, more than we could possibly imagine. So don't give up. So gracious heavenly Father, we thank you we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you for every single person that's here in this space. As we have the opportunity just to close out our time and lifting our voices to you in worship, we thank you, God, for your love for us. We thank you that we can even know what love is because you are love. We thank you that you didn't give up on loving us so Father, would you help us? Help us love better the people that you've placed around us who know you, the ones that are around us that we maybe don't know, 
Help us love them. And help us love those brothers and sisters that are getting persecuted and are suffering because of their following of you. And do miracles through that love. In Jesus' name.